All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Authors Unite show. Today, I got Hillary Sutton with us. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Tyler. Happy to be here. Of course. Grateful to have you on. So can you kick us off? Just tell us a little bit more about you and what you do. Yeah. So I am a writer, a speaker, a consultant. I live in the DC metro area and I have a podcast called Hustle and Grace with Hillary Sutton. I, I've always been a person who's interested in writing and in like a past life, I was a theater actor. So when I discovered podcasting, it was like this I don't know, like happy medium that like scratched a bunch of different itches for me. And yeah. so I started a podcast like uh, about a year and a half ago. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been really fun. So yeah, that's, that's what I do in a nutshell. That's awesome. That's actually about when I started this podcast about a year and a half ago. Oh, sweet. And yeah, I can relate. I just, uh, I don't know what it is exactly, but I love podcasting. It's like the funnest thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's an awesome way to have sort of deep and quality conversations with people that you might not otherwise get to. And if that also, you know, benefits people listening who have, you know, practical takeaways or inspiration or whatever, uh, it's just, I think it's, it's an awesome um, scenario. It's like the democratization of media, right? Yeah. And it's, I guess it's like a triple win, right? Because we're having fun talking and then the people listening are getting value from it. So yes. Um, so my first question for you is, it's, and it seems to me it was like this, but obviously I'd like to know from you, is did all of this start from, from writing? Like is writing kind of your root and then it, it bled out from there to speaking, consulting, and then obviously the podcast? Yes, that's exactly it. So around um, 2013, although I'm sure numbers and dates aren't that critical here, I started a blog because uh, – for about four years after I finished college, I kind of had this mix in my career of performing in theaters up and down the East Coast, balancing that with like a little freelance writing here and there. And yet I really wasn't, I really wasn't making ends meet too well. I mean, I don't know if you're very familiar with like theater, you know, acting pay, but it's, it's not the glamour that is Hollywood. Um, yeah. So I went back to grad school, um, got a master's in communication and media, and then began doing some ghostwriting, some blog writing. That's kind of when content marketing really picked up. And I started a blog to sort of, I mean, really just to promote myself and to start um, establishing some credibility to get some clients. And then it just sort of evolved from there. I went from writing like about, you know, what you should be doing on social media to writing about productivity and personal development and things that I just felt passionate about. And so it really started with writing articles. Um, I did some magazine writing back then as well. And it's just sort of expanded and blossomed from there in natural ways. That's awesome. Okay. And so do you, when you were younger, did you like enjoy writing or was it kind of something that you just, you know, stumbled upon to help kind of pay the bills while you were doing your theater? Oh, always, always writing was a big piece of it for me. The only thing about writing that's been sort of challenging for me is that it is kind of like a solitary thing and I'm definitely an extrovert. I love yeah. working with other people. Um, but at the same time, I love the autonomy and the freedom that comes with being a writer and doing my own thing and making my own rules. Um, but yeah, writing was always a piece of it. I got a degree in journalism. I mean, I, it's funny, my nephew who is six, um, we were just on Marco Polo the other day. I don't know if you have that app, but um, he said, um, 
Mimi, who's my, my mom to him, that's what he calls his grandma. Uh, Mimi told me that when you were in second grade and he pronounced it second, um, which is just the best with a six-year-old. Um, he said, Mimi told me that when you were in second grade, that you wrote a book and I'm writing a book now. And it just brought me back to, you know, always having loved like the written word and creating and, and telling stories. So yeah, that's been a piece of it from the beginning for sure. Got it. And then how, so I'll preface this before the next question is like, I think that a lot of people are going to start moving towards freelance writing uh, in one particular reason, because I think just as there's becoming a lot more consultants, um, you know, a lot of people in corporate, they want to do their own thing. And as me being a business owner uh, myself, and I hire people to, to write blogs and help with, with content. I think almost every business owner, if they aren't already soon will be, um, hiring that out. So it's, it's definitely something in demand. How did you like get your first few clients? And then how have you like grown to continue to get, uh, more writing clients? Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely the cornerstone of working as a freelancer, is relationships. So the first couple of gigs I got, I mean, well, there's always an exception too. Like I did get one off of Craigslist in like 2007, which I don't think, I don't know if people are still getting gigs (laughs) off of Craigslist, but that was one of my first ones. But the ones that really were substantial and really grew into more came from connecting with people. So, you know, one of my first gigs was writing for a local publication. And the reason that they you know, took a chance on me was because I had a journalism degree and I had a blog and I had, you know, written some things here and there. So I had some clips. So I think, you know, if you're looking to like land your first couple of clients, you have to start by just showing your work, like having a blog, writing on medium, writing on LinkedIn, where, wherever it is, you know, show your work somewhere so people can see that, uh, that you're worth hiring and then look for opportunities to do guest posts and, you know, you might have to, you know, donate your work in a way in the beginning, um, but do it in a thoughtful way to where it's helpful and helps you grow your portfolio. So, uh, yeah, the, the first couple of clients were, um, were some, you know, personal connections who I had some rapport with, um, and it, it really grew from there. Got it. And then how were you able to kind of get into, cause I know you've, you've written articles, um, it says for USA Today and the Washington Post. So is that was that like relationship based as well, or was there kind of a specific way that you were able to get into those like major publications? Yeah, well, that's the that's much more difficult. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, but I think what happened there was a combination of things. One is establishing authority in a specific topic, typic, uh, specific area. So I've written um, over the past couple of years really around careers, uh, around job hunting, around cultivating, you know, meaningful work. And so a couple of years ago, uh, a former client who, again, I mean, you know, it's such a mix of like people who you know from real life and then people who you might connect with online. Like I had originally worked for her at another company and we had found each other on Twitter to start with. And then she moved on from there to USA Today. So that was an easy, you know, easy connection there, e- easy to pitch her at USA Today. And then with the Washington Post, it was, you know, originally 
um, a connection with someone who works there who I had originally connected with on Instagram. And then we met in real life, which really moved the needle in a much bigger way than just connecting on Instagram. Like it was, it was definitely the meeting in real life that, that really made solidify that connection. And then he introduced me with, um, to the editor of the careers blog there. So yeah, I think it's important to, you know, when you can go to, and I know that you're, you know, an expert on, um, on conferences and whatnot, but if you can go to conferences, meet people in person, show up at events, I think that that really moves the needle. I mean, would you agree? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the online thing is obviously great. I mean, it's opened the doors that we can connect with anybody at any moment, but in person is the ultimate, you know? Absolutely. Um, so, and I, and I love that you said that cause that's, I think that's one of the benefits of, of podcasting is it's like, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people. I'm sure you, you have too. And you just never know, like it's the interview is only kind of like one part of it. Like you also build a relationship with that person. Cause when you do decide to have an open conversation and I know every format of podcast is different, but at least for the way that I do mine, like we're just having a conversation, getting to know each other. And who knows, maybe a year from now we could be like having like lunch somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you don't, sure. so it's um, just being open to meeting and connecting with new people and not having like any sort of direct um, desired outcome, but more rather just to actually be present and connect with them um, just leads to multiple things. Like, um, I don't know. So I just think it's, it's cool how you've written for these major things. And it seems like the root kind of, although it was more, obviously, you know, you're a good writer, but it was also the people, right. Um, that, that was obviously part of it too. So um, now you also said ghostwriting. So, so you've ghostwritten books for people? No, I have ghostwritten blogs and content papers. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. So for, for the blogs then, is there some sort of like structure that you found to, to write a blog that works or is every time you write a blog, is it just completely like custom? Yeah, that's a great question. For me, I usually start with an outline because, you know, for... I think, you know, any online content, but especially blogs, like you have to be able to communicate that there's a specific takeaway, like what it, what is it? You have to answer the question, like what is it that I want this person who's taking their precious time, who nobody has enough of to read it, what, what's their takeaway? So I start with what do I want them to learn or what I want them to do. And then I, I make like a brief outline and then I fill in that outline. That's my kind of formula. Got it. Okay. And then um, I saw here too that you have you have three courses, two ebooks, and then two keynotes. So what <laughs> I love is that you you do encompass both because that's what I kind of struggle with. And I actually literally own a publishing uh, company, but it is to me writing is is difficult because I am so extroverted. So yeah. the fact that you're you know hitting all cylinders is is really cool. So for your uh, courses. Can you kind of talk to us about like just the whole behind the scenes, like the platforms you're using, what you've done to have some success with them? And the reason I ask is because most of our uh, listeners are authors and after they do um, their books, then, you know, a lot of them want to create a course as well. So I think, you know, sharing that expertise would be helpful. Yes. So first I just want to say that 
repurposing content is so critical. So if you're already, you know, if you already have a book in hand and you're ready to think about the next steps of, of repurposing that content, like more power to you, I think you're totally on the right track. Um, for me, I built my courses just on my own website on, I just used Squarespace and there are some really great tools to use. Um, I know teachable is one that comes to mind and there, there are some others as well, but I just sort of created, um, using an email, um, an email provider. I I've used MailChimp in combination with Squarespace to create like an email automation system that leads to, um, that leads back to my website where people can, and also, I mean, YouTube is kind of connected in there with it as well because it's a mix of videos and audio and um, blog posts. And then I created um, like downloadable course textbooks. Um, just an assistant of mine did it using Canva. So um, yeah, I mean, there's lots of free tools that you can um, utilize. And if, you know, all you have to do is to bring the hard work and the creativity and you can totally do it on your own. So, and, and then what are the three courses? What do they cover? Yes. So the first one is get your dream off the ground and it is a 21 day process. You know, if you've always sort of dreamed about starting a side hustle or starting a business, or maybe you have, you know, 20 years of experience in a certain field and you really would like to begin to do your own thing a little bit. Um, this is a process that you can walk through day by day to, you know, get, get clear on your vision and get clear on what it is that you want to do. And by the end, you should have a plan in place, um, to, to, to get that dream off the ground. Um, another one is, um, it's really an, an on-demand webinar. It's called going freelance. So it, it, I created going freelance and I, I have like an in-person workshop that I do as well. But basically like I was at a dinner party with someone one time who said, you know, I love to write and I love to write about these topics, but I'm not even sure where to start if I wanted to go out on my own. Like what, where do I even begin? And so I made this like two part, um, webinar and also in-person workshop about how do you, you know, launch a freelance business and then how do you make it like a well-run machine like what systems you need to have in place and then the third one is the side hustle starter kit and it is just sort of a collection of downloadable pieces along with um, a webinar on you know if you want to get your side hustle rolling um, these are some resources that you can use and um, to, to get that going. And it also includes um, a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me to answer any questions that the person might have at the end of their, at the end of their class. Nice. All right. So yeah, these seem really helpful and kind of like, you know, going back to what I said earlier, I mean, I think you really are, you know, what your courses kind of do is really help the person get started like in transition and from whatever they're doing to become a successful you know, freelance uh, writer in, in different ways. So, you know, I, I also saw here too that you've written over a thousand, um, over a thousand blog posts. So I'd love to know what's like your typical like day look like? Cause I know, and for me, like 
like I said earlier too, like writing, I find writing to be pretty difficult. Um, so I have to like, for me to be able to sit down and just stay still and just write and stay focused, I have to go on like a long run, come back, relax, and then just like settle into it to get into that flow state. So do you have any methods that you use like before you write to like just get into that creative space? <laughs> oh, Tyler, I you know, I used to get to have like such strong preferences about like when and how I write, but about a year ago I had a baby. (laughs) And so, um, I luckily I write best in like 90 minute sprints anyway. And so my day is broken up into like four or five, um, periods of time where I can really focus and get work done. So I have, um, a few hours in the morning and then I have morning nap, afternoon nap. I actually take my baby to the, I'm going to own this. I take my baby to the gym in the middle of the day and I go work from the cafe at the gym um, because it's easier to, or, or more inexpensive to get a fancy gym membership than to hire a part-time nanny. I like so, that. <laughs> little life hack for you there. So yeah. I, so, so th- I'm actually on my fourth sort of break of the day right now. And then if I don't get everything done in the day by mid afternoon, then I also have the evening to work. And so I, I'm a really regimented in getting super clear on the, what are the most important things I need to do each week. And I write those down. I have like a big rocks list and a priorities list. And I plug those in on my like detailed calendar for the next like five to seven days. And then I can kind of breathe because I know when I'm present with her, I can just be present with her. And when it's time to write or time to work on a project, then it's head down working on that. So for me, you know, if, for example, if I need to write email copy for three different emails this week, then I plug the, that into specific places on my calendar. And I would say 75% of the time I get it done when I've told myself I was going to get it done. But then you also have to have like a little bit of wiggle room to, to move things around if something takes a little bit longer. But I think that I do a pretty good job of anticipating in advance what I need to get done in the future and getting clear on what it is I'm going to write to where like there was a time where I would sit in the chair and just like think about the different, you know, angles of how I want to go about it. But when you don't have that luxury, then you just get it done. And I think that's also a product of like experience. I've been writing now for like 12 years. Um, so that's been really helpful too. So it's kind of been like a, a, pro, a, a combination of just doing what you need to do and then also having practice of just getting it done. Got it. So, so yeah, I'm curious too, like, um, it seems to me, cause whenever I've interviewed like parents, it's like, it's not, it's, it's not just, I'm asking too, it's very recent for you. It's only a year. So like, is there like just something like a super human switch that just like comes on where you just like, there is no more like kind of, I don't want to use the word messing around, but like you're just, even though you're probably exhausted, right? Because, you know, the baby's only one year old. So, you know, I'm just like, how are you able to just get it done where you're maybe on like three hours of sleep? <laughs> like, is there just like, do you feel different now that you're a mom? Yeah, that's such a thoughtful question. First of all, I should say she started sleeping through the night 
in month seven. And so like for me, like a big cloud lifted then. And also I think like the first three months, the first three months of her life, I took like, I was like 85% off of work. And then I went back in January of this year in the first couple of months, like it, I just needed to celebrate the fact that I was like getting into routine of working again. I wasn't, I wasn't back a hundred percent. You know, I think I, I would say that I was back like 90% by the time that she was sleeping through the night. So I think like no matter what your situation is, like whether you have a baby or like chronic pain or whatever, if you're not getting the sleep that you need, it's going to be extra challenging. Um, but I think there's also a piece to it where like you just do what you got to do. <laughs> it, it's hard to maybe explain there's that. And then I also, um, interviewed before I had a baby, a writer named Damon Brown. Um, so if you are a writer, definitely check out my podcast, Hustle and Grace and search for Damon Brown's episode um, because he talked about how he was a stay-at-home parent and took care of his kids when they were little. And he said that he was also like extra motivated to work really hard and to accomplish more because he wanted to create a better world for his children. And I thought that was so profound. And I can relate to that. Like as a writer, everything I write is you know, searchable and she's going to find it. And should she want to, she can listen back to all the podcast episodes that I did. And so I want to do good work for her. You know, I want her to listen and learn something, you know, on down the line and also just live in, in a better world. So it's kind of a combination of all those things. Yeah, no, it's, it's just really interesting. And, um, and thanks for answering because I just think it's, you know, from being someone uh, like myself, I don't have any children. My view, I would think it would become a lot harder, but then on the other side to, to like work, but then on the other side, I just feel, and this is just from me interviewing a lot of people where it's like, there is some sort of like superhuman thing. I just like that comes in when you realize like you're not just taking care of yourself anymore. And totally. you know, whereas, you know, me, I'm a single guy in Miami, no kids. It's like, if I only get four hours of sleep, I'm like, all right, maybe I'll sleep a little bit more. <laughs> it's like, no, like the, the baby's up. Like you, you get up now. <laughs> like yes. You rise to the occasion. I was just in a meeting the other day with a woman who has five adult children. And, and she was saying like, I forget how relentless like little kids are. Like it really is you know, nonstop. Like when you're with them, they're just, you know, very needy, but you really do rise to the occasion. So, you know, in the future, when you, you know, down the road, when you have yeah. a little one, um, let's revisit this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. be very entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. Well, I guess still speaking on uh, kids in, in some fashion, um, I also saw that you, uh, you taught at a university. Is, is that right? Yeah, I taught online for Southern New Hampshire University. Okay, cool. So how did you, I just, I find that to be really interesting. How did you go about even like to get accepted as a teacher? Like how did that work? Yeah. So if you're in the higher ed space and maybe some of your listeners are, then you know, you know, starting around between 2007, 2010, there was a real boom in online higher education because of the software that became available. Um, more non-traditional students were going back to school. So people who already, you know, 
had full-time jobs, had kids, had families, and thought maybe um, their opportunity to get a college degree was behind them. But then it became possible to do it online and not have to, you know, stop your life and go to a college campus. And so because of that, um, there was a huge increase in need for um, online instructors, online professors. And so that was actually one of the reasons why I went back to get a master's degree because um, I saw that my sister and brother-in-law had been teaching online. My sister's a lawyer. My brother-in-law had a master's in philosophy and uh, they were living overseas and just had, it was the first time that I was really, um, really saw uh, the, the digital nomad life, like laptop warriors. You could live wherever you want. You could, you know, work on a beach, you know, poolside or in a cabin in the mountains, like whatever it is, like you could work from anywhere. And that really appealed to me um, because, you know, I, when I graduated from undergrad, it was right around the time of the great recession. So there were not full-time jobs like there, it was, a you know, 10% unemployment rate. There was hiring freezes, across industries. And so I was beginning to think, you know, not, not only was I not really up to the task of like going and working in a cubicle, but it was also just that, you know, that wasn't even going to be a real possibility. So I was, uh, I was interested in the prospect of online education. And so I went back and got a master's because you have to have minimally a master's to teach on the undergraduate level. And so I did that. And, um, and I, you know, saw a post, I think, on higheredjobs.com that Southern New Hampshire University, which is like, I think Fast Company rated them as like one of the most innovative companies um, a few years ago, kind of two years back to back, I think. So definitely like a very innovative um, university in, in the higher ed space. And they had um, a really, uh, a, a real high growth um, online education program. And so I taught for them um, a social media course, an intro to journalism course, um, some communications courses. So it was a lot of fun. Um, and I just sort of sunsetted that a couple of years ago because things with writing were just really taking off. But, but that was fun. And it was really inspiring to, you know, be teaching online students who might be in their sixties and they're, you know, getting ready to graduate. Um, you know, it, it was just really inspiring to work with people who um, were achieving goals, like no matter what age they were. Yeah. No, it sounds like it would be fun. I'm like, I mean, I don't know if I'm necessarily qualified. I actually dropped out of school, so it would feel funny to teach a school class. But, but like, I don't know. I think I would enjoy it actually though. So, um, yeah. so another question I have for you too, because I know a lot of our audience um, is, and, and actually a lot of the people that I serve in, in my uh, business is public speakers because a lot of them uh, do books and then you know they leverage their book um, to help them to uh, grow a speaking career. So, do you have any like insight or any tips that um, you could share on uh, how how you've uh, gotten speaking engagements or, or um, grown your speaking? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that I'm still. I feel like I'm still you know, in, in stage one or stage two there, I see it, you know, really growing in the future, but a lot of it is just, you know, it comes down to providing value, like finding, you know, conferences that 
you could go to and learn a lot. And, you know, how can you contribute? You know, what can you bring to the table and submitting speaker proposals? You know, I did that with um, the digital summit series over the summer. Um, I said, I'm, you know, I'm going to be, they do this, the, they do marketing conferences all over the country and I'd been to them in the past and I've gotten a lot of value out of them. And I had this idea for a topic and I was going to be going to the one in DC anyway. And so um, I reached out to them with this idea and they liked the idea and they saw that I'd had some experience speaking. And so they gave me a shot in DC and it went well. So then I spoke again for them in Boston and I'm going to speak next week at their internet summit in Raleigh. So I think, you know, definitely be looking for um, calls for speaker proposals and, you know, start local, like, especially if you live in a smaller community, you know, volunteer to speak to audiences. Um, Well, first of all, get clear on what it is that your message is, you know, especially, you know, for your, for, for your audience who probably have books or book ideas, they already have something to share, which is, you know, a great place to start. But then, you know, connecting with um, local groups and putting together um, those presentations and just getting more and more experience. Like, it's so interesting. I didn't realize the transferable skills from even podcasting. Like, I'm a better public speaker in person because I have off-the-cuff conversations like this every single week. So I, th- I think look for creative and different opportunities to speak. Um, and then, you know, try to, I mean, if you can, I, and I'm, I'm, you know, preaching to myself here too, try to get like video and audio of you speaking so you can show, you know, what you're like on stage. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's such an incredible opportunity to connect with people in person because it, it's it's wonderful to write something and for it to resonate with someone, but for them to be able to like look you in the eyes and tell you like what it means to you, like whatever it is that your message is and how it resonated with them, that's really powerful. Yes, I love it. Um, so re- really last question is like, so if people are interested in working with you, what's the best place for that? And then also if they want to connect with you um, cause you're just, you're an awesome person. Really enjoyed talking with you. If they want to just connect with you and, and just chat, maybe what's your best like social media or how, how should they go about that? Yes. Thanks for asking. I'd be honored if they would check out my website, Hillary Um, you can find my podcast there as well. It's hustle and grace with Hillary Sutton. You can also just, I mean, you've got a podcast app open right now. You could probably search for it after this episode. Um, and then I'm on, uh, all the social medias, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook at Hillary Sutton. And I'm on Instagram at Hillary.Sutton because apparently you can't win them all. Yeah, that's fair. Um, really appreciate it again. And, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Tyler.